I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Everywhere you turn, the headlines are about debates and descriptions of debates. Hot, heated, contentious, contemptuous, divided, divisive. And whether it's here in the state of Utah or at multiple places across the country, there's all kinds of conversations and headlines about debates. So let's go beyond the headlines and let's actually debate debates. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. But with all the talk about debates, let's debate the debates. Did they really move the needle? Do they really make a difference? Are they an outdated way of communicating with potential voters and constituents? Uh, those are all good questions, important questions that we have to get to. Is it the way we do debates? Is it the way we cover debates? Is it the way we replay the debates that is part of the problem or part of the solution? And I want to look in the end about the future of debates and what we should expect Obviously, we've had a a week filled with debates here in the state of Utah, and coverage has been primarily about things that were hot, things that were heated, contention, uh, attacks back and forth. All of those things have dominated the headlines about debates. And the same has been true in other places around the country. doesn't matter if it's Pennsylvania or Ohio or Georgia or Florida or California or anywhere in between. The debate is very rarely about the substance or the principles or the policies or the governing philosophy or strategy or even the results that have been produced by those in elected office. And so as as we look at debates, I want to talk about the future of debates because many people are really starting to scratch their head and wonder, what is this really all about? Uh, If the debates we've had here in the state of Utah didn't move the needle for anyone, if they didn't really change anybody's mind as Uh, Many have said that uh, they just kind of galvanized the base. So whatever your base of voters were going in, probably the same coming out, maybe just a little more hardened. Uh, Those in the movable middle, uh, many of them, I think, are getting exhausted. And I think some of them are less likely to vote now and less likely to participate in the process because of what we're serving up. And so if we go back through the history of debates and what is that purpose, uh, 
what we've seen is clearly not where we began. Uh, we've seen some debates that are have been nothing more than contempt, uh, nothing more than backward-facing, name-calling, uh, pejorative-inducing statements that do nothing to either educate the electorate or elevate the conversation. I think that's actually the purpose of a debate, is to educate and elevate. Uh, I don't think we're seeing that. And it's hard to do that when we continue to reward the opposite. Just think of what you've seen in your social media feed and in your email box over the last week as Utah has had its debates. And I'm sure there were clips of zingers, one-liners, frustrated moments. That's neither enlightening, educating, or elevating. It's none of the above. So is there a, is there a solution in today's marketplace? Uh, some candidates uh, don't even think it's worth debating anymore uh, because they're either more worried about having a gotcha moment or they're just confident they can get their message out on their own, that they don't need to rely on another institution or another media source. Uh, they can go directly to their voters and make their case. Uh, I don't think that's especially healthy either because I, I do think it's part of the job to stand before the people you're asking to vote for you. I think that's part of the job. I think that's part of the test. So if we look forward not backward. Uh, Backward-facing debates uh, drive me bananas. Uh, we we often talk about on this on this show. Uh, I know what you are against. I get it. So don't waste my time telling me what you're against. I know what you're against. I know who you're against. Tell me what you're for. Give me a vision. Give me a direction. Paint a picture for me of what you standing on the floor of the House of Representatives or the United States Senate or the Oval Office. Tell me what that looks like and then what that feels like. What should I expect? What will I see? What will your focus be? That's a very different conversation than the ones we've been having in debates. What we have been seeing is memorized attack lines, superficial bullet point answers, and a lot of contemptuous zingers. Again, doesn't match the qualifications of educating, enlightening, or elevating. Pretty simple. So let's talk about the future. I think if I were in charge of the universe of debates, I would change the game. Uh, right now we get one one-hour debate. We try to plow through a million questions with 60 to 90-second answers and 30-second rebuttals. Uh, many of you have heard me say it before. I actually think you learn more the longer you let someone talk. Now, you might say, well, someone might just filibuster and just, you know, talk forever on something. The interesting thing is that's very that's very revealing. Uh, and you could even see it in some of the 90 second in some of the 90 second responses in some of these debates. They get about 30 seconds in and they run out of stuff to say. So they just keep repeating it. There were some answers where I heard the same word, phrase, combination five times in 90 seconds, which told me that's all they know is the talking point. So they're not an expert in that area. 
or they're not passionate about that particular policy. And so I actually like Lincoln-Douglas-style debates where you force the candidates to talk a little bit longer. I think that is so revealing. It, it is Anybody can memorize a 30-second answer. It's not that hard. Uh, you can even fudge your way through a 90-second answer if you have to because you can repeat yourself. But if you have four minutes, five minutes, that would be very revealing. And it would be very revealing to see who could actually make a case and close it in less than that amount of time. That would tell me something about a candidate in terms of how much they really know. Not how much they can say, how much do they know and how can they convey that to me. And so I I like the idea of a little more Lincoln-Douglas style where you actually have to talk a little bit longer. I think that's incredibly revealing. Uh, Just as a historic reference point, the first televised presidential debate, of course, was the Nixon-Kennedy debate. And in our debates... Uh, here in the state, uh, the the closing statements were 60 seconds, and the opening statements were just part of a question, so it was 90 seconds. In the Kennedy-Nixon debates, they each were given eight minutes for an opening statement. You want to go learn about how somebody thinks or how they feel or what their vision is for the role, their role in that office? Uh, that's very revealing. And they had three minutes for closing statements. It was fascinating. I also think we were talking about this with Dave and Deb a little earlier today that uh, trying to get so many topics in uh, makes it incredibly hard because you can never get to that second level answer. You can never get to the solution. So why not have three debates? One on domestic policy, one on foreign policy, one on things specific to the state of Utah. I think that's a pretty good, nice round way to look at that, Uh, an interesting way to go after it. Uh, But to me, the real question is, is can we get them beyond just those talking points? And if we can't get there, then I don't know that debates have a real bright future. And so it's time to debate the debates. And we should start doing that now, not wait until we're into the next election cycle. We should start talking about what kinds of conversations do we want to have, how do we want to have those conversations, and what will actually be best for the voters. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.